Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. It's been a while. It's Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner, catching up on all things Illini. We have taken a little time off the podcast side of things. Just been busy with family stuff around the 4th of July holiday. Uh, I know Joey's been spending time with family and friends as well. And uh, But since then, Joey, a lot has happened that we got to catch up on. We got to talk about some Illinois football, a new commit. Some commits actually elsewhere. Uh, some targets that actually have gone elsewhere. There had not been many of those over the last month for Illinois, but that's starting to happen a little bit too. A couple big Illinois football decisions coming up. Some more targets to watch. The basketball recruiting period, Derek Piper is down at Peach Jam. We'll talk about uh, one player in particular there. And then we'll hit on a couple of random topics because college football is, is just around the corner. Um, but uh, during the time we haven't done the podcast, you and I, Joey, in probably about a, a week, uh, Twitter decided it's a good business plan to get worse for whatever reason, uh, to, to make yourself less accessible. Uh, but every sports writer we know basically uh, decided they had to announce that they were leaving for some other platform, except Joey Wagner and, and, and myself too. But uh, that, that wasn't on your card for the last week, huh? I made one. I was like, eh, I'll just wait until like this becomes something of uh, a little more prominent. People said they're going, which is fine, but they're still on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. We're going to be on Twitter until Twitter makes it so bad that's right. that we can. They're flirting with that, but we're going to be there because that's like, that is so good for business to be there. And, and it's good. To just, I mean, you can let your personality out anywhere, but Twitter's it for right now, man. I'm willing to ride this storm out until it's a, just totally beyond repair. Listen, I tried to defend us media folks, or most of us reporters, uh, as well as we can, but just the self-importance of saying, hey, I'm going here in case you need me. It's like, well, they'll find you. They'll most likely find you. So uh, I just find that pretty funny. Uh, we've got to make fun of ourselves a little bit. But, Joey, let's talk a little bit about Illinois football. They get another commitment in the class of 2023, and this one probably the least surprising of all of them, right? Tanner Hollinger, the three-star tight end out of the state in Nebraska, is Illinois a factor now in the state of Nebraska, Joey? They hadn't had one since before World War One started. I, I got to look up his name. J. Leo Klein, I believe was his name. And now they had two within a matter of a week here with Caleb Pye from in, in town, Tanner Hollinger. So look out, Nebraska. Here come the Illini. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Um, I don't know. I, I think Nebraska is still going to be very – do okay in recruiting the state of Nebraska. But – Illinois has gone there, Jeremy, as you mentioned, in the last week and a half, two weeks. Uh, probably less than that, right? I, we, I think you and I suspect Keanu Hollinger committed before he left Champaign on his official visit. Um, and, and went in and got two prospects that, that they liked. And Illinois went after Hollinger. No other Power 5 offers. Eight-man football, which is the the most fun story. I, I think it might be worth uh, knocking on your door for a trip to Nebraska to coach up some eight-man football. Uh, but they go in there, they they get a tight end who they liked, obviously. They took another tight end and still brought him on campus. So I think that was the point, Jeremy, that you and I were like, oh, like they're probably going to take this kid yeah. if they're still bringing him on an official. Remember, he announced his commitment to Illinois or his um, scholarship offer to Illinois the first night of the official. Uh, so that kind of everything pointed in the direction of uh, a take for Illinois. And they get an inline tight end. I know you've, you've done a lot more homework on this than I have but a guy who's in there he's a punishing blocker we're seeing highlights of him now uh he compliments Carson Conkle a little bit Jeremy yeah I you know Illinois fans I'm, I'm not gonna try and sell you like if, if you're not excited about a, a kid with no other power five offers I'm not gonna try and sell you but I do find it really interesting that <laughs> Illinois really prioritized him and, and I think you know, unless you're in Ohio State, a Michigan, a Penn State in the Big Ten, you're going to have a few evaluation takes. And so far, I, I believe I wrote two the other day, but it is three. Tanner Hollinger is the third commitment in this class without a Power Five offer. And it'll be interesting at the end of this class, without another Power Five offer. And it'll be interesting at the end of this class to see how that matches up with the previous five or six classes for Illinois. But that's a, that's a pretty small number, but you're still going to have – these evals, and some of these have worked out well for Illinois. You think of the guys that made an impact last year, you know, Matthew Bailey and Xavier Scott. I don't think either had Power 5 offers. So not to say they're all going to be successful or that I'm, I'm trying to say you should be excited about this guy, but you turn on the film and you see what excites them. Um, what's interesting, Joe, is, is Nebraska has four Power 5 tight ends. The state of Nebraska has produced four Power 5. There's 3 million people, I think, in Nebraska, if that. And to have four power five tight ends, which is equal to, I think, Florida 
and Texas at this point? Like, what what's going on with tight ends in Nebraska? But, you know, I think Iowa got one out of Nebraska. I think Nebraska got one out of Nebraska. And this guy kind of falls under the radar. Cross County is a good eight-man football school. And there's a lot of eight-man football in the Plains, whether it's Dakotas or, or Nebraska. But from what I'm told, Max Rosenthal, the former Illinois tight end, who's now a graduate assistant at Illinois, found his name on Twitter, dove into it, loved his film. Robbie Disher loved his film. And you can see he's a good athlete for his length. He's a legit 6'5", 220 to 230 pounds. He's got decent speed for his size, decent athlete, but he's really physical as a blocker. And I think that kind of goes well with what Carson Conkle is going to be, which I think is more of a flex kind of tight end. You know, you think of a, a more receiving kind of tight end, but Conkle's a big physical player as well. But my biggest thing about this, Joey, is I think, and I've, I've been saying this for a while, I think tight end's a big need for this team because Tip Ryman, I think we both think is really good and can be good. Uh, was a great blocker last year, was by far their best tight end. But this is not a position of strength for Illinois. Maybe Henry Boyer turns into that. I'm high on what his future can be as a physical blocker. But they need some more talent at this position because they haven't had a lot of production at tight end. And and they need they need some tight ends to, to be a threat as receivers because as often as they use tight ends, I, I got to look up this stat, but they use... 12 personnel, two tight ends, a lot of the time. So there is one or two tight ends on the field at all times, and it just doesn't feel like the defenses have to worry too much about those guys right now. Yeah, not to spoil too much of my position primer, Jeremy, but I'm writing about tight ends right now. And um, last year, their tight ends had 39 receptions for 419 yards and three touchdowns. That's one of the handful of better tight end seasons at Illinois over the last seven years. And for context, that still ranked near the bottom of the Big Ten uh, among tight ends in the pass catching game uh, last season. Tenth in receptions, ninth in yards, fifty uh, fifth and or I'm sorry, twelfth in targets. That's, I mean, that's not inspiring, right? That, that target was, number really stands out to me yeah. because that that means to me like they're not getting open or the quarterbacks don't trust them. I mean, it could be a little bit about what they think of tight end. Like tight ends are blockers a lot of the times. But, um, you know, Satan is the case with Iowa. Iowa likes to use those guys as blockers. Illinois just doesn't have a Sam Laporta. Yeah, I mean, Iowa likes to use them as blockers, and they absolutely eviscerated the field and stats. Um, I'm not going to go too far into it because it's prime. I put in a lot of work on them. I know you would tell me to, hey, slow down. No, no, you, you, can, you can throw out some. I mean, Luke yeah, Lachey and Sam Laporta is one of the Iowa best. Iowa tight ends. Like, and we have to say, before I get into that, like, Illinois tight ends blocked f- f- – like, they were fairly good blockers last mm-hmm. season. They're, the re- they're part of the reason Chase Brown – was able to do what he did. They, they were successful to a degree in, in, uh, as blockers, but so was Iowa. And then you look at Iowa's receptions. First in the Big Ten with 87 reception among tight ends. Uh, first in yards with 1,036. First in targets which are, with 135. As you mentioned, Sam Laporta changes a lot of that because Sam Laporta is a really good tight end. And like, So it was Luke you, Lachey, right? Luke Lachey yeah, is going to be yeah, a star. Right. So yeah. when you have one or two of those guys – probably NFL guy Sam Laporta as we know is like yeah you're going to have a little more trust in there and obviously Iowa had a, a litany of other issues offensively and tight end right. was their most reliable place but like this it's just not what we thought of tight end when Brett Bielema got hired in his past and what we're seeing now and this is kind of not too far away from the Tanner Hollinger commitment comments are just big picture like those two things haven't to this point aligned yet uh, where you've seen those draft pick after draft pick after draft pick like that's not really happening right now and it does take time to build that room and Illinois to be frank Jeremy has, has taken a lot of like the, the freshmen with what they asked them to do blocking like it, it takes time for development uh, yeah. with some of those guys so you're just you're not seeing that line up quite yet and here we are at a position where it's like oh man where would they be without Griffin Moore next year we think yeah and they add Tanner Arkin uh, Colorado State transfer we'll see what he becomes I, it felt like he was battling for the third spot at, at tight end during the spring with with Henry Boyer or Griffin Moore kind of establishing himself which is a positive for next year but it, you just need more options and that's what this told me 
You know, when they, when they got Conklin, I was like, oh, are they actually going to bring Hollinger on a visit? Then they did, and they offered him, and they take his commitment. Like, to me, that says, oh, this is a big need for us. We need more guys. We need more options. We need more competition at this position. So I don't know what that means for Owen Anderson in the future. I don't know what it means for, for Boyer. I mean, they lost Navy on Cargill, so maybe that, you know, becomes part of this equation where they decide to take two. But Conklin was by far their best Power 5 win at this position but it is a position i think you can develop guys but Bielema's past success with tight ends especially recently with hunter henry at arkansas who's now one of the best in the nfl has not translated yet to illinois in, in winning some of these recruitments so that's why i'm intrigued by, by what this tight end position becomes and i've thought it's a need like for me after spring and i'm doing the position rankings joey i was like I feel less confident, at least confident, in tight end among all positions, and I like Tip Ryman. I just don't know what else they have. And that's kind of what this has told me is, hey, we want to add two guys here. Even though we added a really good prospect in Carson Conkle, he's going to take time to develop. Hollinger might take time to develop, but we need more options for the future. So just to wrap up that conversation, that's what I think that told me. Yeah, me too. And also, they're two different enough guys where they're not just – trying to hit a home run on the same guy and whichever one blossoms first like they're different enough that like you can easily justify taking two but yeah i'm with you i I think they're trying to like that's the room that's been remade like kind of the least um in this beetle tenure so you're seeing them start to be a little more i don't know that aggressive is the right word but but you're starting to see that target a little bit more here yeah and disher obviously probably I, i don't know this but seems like he pounded on the table for him right like in that you know Bielmov's who sold on this but 974 offensive snaps for Illinois last year Joey uh, I just did the math they had 1,318 tight end snaps so tight ends were on the field for 1,318 snaps that's 1.35 tight ends on the field per snap so this is a position they need like it's always on the field and a lot of times there is two on the field so this is a really important position for this offense and while I think they're good blockers I, I kind of said this to you before the show it's like having Dane Danger and Ty Rogers on the field at the same time like one of them has to be a threat to catch the ball one like one of those guys Rogers or Danger has to be a threat to score or shoot the ball otherwise you become a little bit easier to defend I kind of feel that way with tight ends I think you need a, a blocker physical guy who can catch and flats and all those things but then you need a guy who can stretch the field, go down the seam a little bit. So I don't know if that analogy works, but it made sense in my head that those guys, Ty Rogers, Dane Danger, individually good players, but you put them on the field at the same time, Luke Ford and Tip Ryman, the defense doesn't have to worry about those guys beating them over the top. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of chuckling because this would be the time if we were live. We're not obviously live right now that St. Dom would be hopping in the comments. Like, listen, I've been all right, absolutely. He may have DM'd you that comp Jeremy I'm, I'm thinking that could have been the case but the yeah I, I'm with right. you you need somebody and, and Tip Ryman right or actually I should say Griffin Moore right now is the guy that you would think um would step into that role but Griffin Moore's in his final year so then he's got two years what, left potentially is that yeah sure he's, 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 he's got a redshirt year and a COVID year uh and he's a redshirt junior yeah He's a double redshirt junior the COVID year is yeah. still still sitting there messing yeah, us up I was, I was a year behind on that well there you go. That that's there's your bridge. Uh, some of these guys, your Henry Boyers, your Owen Andersons, your Carson Conkles, your your Tanner Hollingers moving forward. Yeah, the 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 Griffin Moore one's interesting because he's the same age as Isaiah Williams, right? And Isaiah technically is a double redshirt junior. That's right. Let's talk about some other things, Joey, because uh, Illinois had this stretch where like nobody else besides Luke Williams was committing elsewhere. That's starting to change a little bit. Uh, we have Marquise Lightfoot. The four-star Chicago edge rusher doesn't go to Ohio State, but goes to Miami. Ricky Knight, the four-star DB, as expected, stays in state. You know, Illinois did a great job there, but it felt like it was going to be difficult to be Florida State in Miami. So he decides to go to Florida State, and then Brett Carroll goes to Minnesota. I love Minnesota's two offensive line gets here recently. Uh, Nathan Roy, I saw it at camp uh, two years ago. Loved him. He's a four-star offensive tackle out of Wisconsin, which is a big get for them. And then Brett Carroll, I think, is one of the, probably the more underrated offensive linemen in our ranking system right now. So that was a good get for, for Minnesota. Obviously, Illinois has done well on the offensive line. But what stands out there for you, Joey? I want to know – like, I want a true serum someone to know where Illinois was for Marquise Lightfoot when he sat at that table or when he finally came down to his decision. Um, I would assume somewhere – 
two and a half. Does that sound fair? If Miami's one, are they somewhere in that mix with? I think they were probably three. I, I think I think Ohio they, State. I don't think like Alabama and Georgia. I don't know if how hard they were pushing for him. Um, USC. I, yeah, I don't know. They might have been four there, but like, listen. I know people don't want to. I think they did a great job here. I think they did a great job. But when a kid has Ohio State, he goes to, down to Miami, and let's let's remember Jason Taylor, Hall of Fame, famers recruiting him, um, and then Mario Crystal Ball just had a top five pick at, at defensive end out of Oregon, Kayvon Thibodeau. So those guys had a really good sell as well. Miami's Miami, <laughs> kid from Chicago wants to go down there. Listen, I don't know the role NIL played here, but Miami certainly hasn't been shy about giving some high school prospects some, some sweet NIL deals. Um, so I, I don't know about that. So I know people are going to discuss that. That certainly could be the case. I don't know. But um, Illinois got in the battle here, and they really impressed him. They really impressed his coaches. Really impressed a lot of people. So, listen, I know you don't want to hear these kind of, you know, moral victories, but you're in the you're in the hunt. You got an official visit for this guy. And the way I've looked at this recruitment the entire time, to be honest with you, Joey, is I think you've given yourself – a chance if there's a second recruitment. I, I think part of that is the game now, that when there's a second recruitment, if this guy enters the transfer portal, whoever it is, uh, Illinois put a good foot forward, good foundation. If they keep winning, maybe we'll have a chance at that guy a second time around. I'm not saying Lightfoot will do that, but you know, I, I think that's part of the, that's part of the recruiting process now. Whether you're a basketball coach, football coach, is there might be a second chance to get some of these guys. Yeah, absolutely, and you're still probably uh, at least with Lightfoot. You know, maybe see what happens with Brett Carroll. I, I think we knew that Ricky Knight was, was Florida State. Like, I, I don't know how much you can fight for that all the way through December. I don't know how much it's going to change a lot. Keep fighting, right? And Yeah, keep, it's a good point. Like, even, even later on in this process, because I was going to bring that up with the running backs we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Malik Elsie, you kept fighting for. Colin Dixon, you kept fighting for. Yeah, and if, if Illinois starts out hot, if they're outside linebackers, come out of the gates firing with Charlie Bowen, Brett Bielema probably has a megaphone standing on some platform in Chicago yelling these stats until he's blue in the face, hoping Marquise Lightfoot hears him. Is he on threads yet? Because that'll be the big thing by then, Joey. Is it? Will it be? Well, he's got it. We don't know. He hasn't told us he's going. So I'm assuming you're not there unless you told us you're going to threads. Um, so we don't know. We, we don't know if he is or isn't. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I think, you know, as we were talking, I was sitting here thinking like, quote unquote, sting factor to lose. Like Lightfoot to me felt like, house money yes and really the way they've recruited the offensive line he's not ranked this way but the way they've recruited the offensive line brett carroll was in a similar yes uh vein to me ricky so by that like i think ricky knight stings the most because you would have loved to pair him with vernon woodward and get yourself a four-star headliner uh in that defensive secondary which isn't to say the defensive secondary has been recruited poorly but you, if you wanted to put two potential four-star, one definitely four-star, the other potential four-star guy back there, that's that kind of flexes a little bit after what you've done last year. Yeah, you know what's interesting is if you know, a casual fan, and maybe even me, could say this, that you know the two positions you should be able to recruit the best right now are, are running back and, and defensive back. I think Woodward's a four-star caliber prospect. So I, I'm probably not the best guy to talk to this about, but th- those are the positions you would have thought, okay, you can get a four-star guy there. Um mm-hmm. I think Woodward's a four-star level prospect. I think Eddie Turk is close to that. I think Caleb Pyfrom is close to that. But they aren't. They aren't four-star prospects. So I get the need for a headliner. I think there's a good, solid class. But yeah, these were opportunities to get that, whether it was Ricky Knight or Marquise Lightfoot. And you weren't able to get it yet, right? At this point last year, you didn't have Malik Elzey on board. We'll see what happens going into to the you know early signing period. But... Um, I think Illinois has gotten a lot of good gets, Joey. Like, you know, out of this 16 commits, 13 Power 5 recruiting wins. Um, a lot of good offer lists. And we can debate ratings, rankings. I think they they can matter. They, they, some, they shouldn't be taken as gospel all the time. But I think when you look at the offer list, this is certainly steps forward for Illinois. But you would. Like, for Illinois to take another step, even the coaches know it. we got to get dudes. we got to get dudes. They're certainly in the conversation for more four-star level prospects, but the fact is they haven't been able to land a composite or 24-7 sports four-star prospect yet. In, in this, this class, class. yeah. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of fans who are very happy with the class to this point would like to see a headliner, quote-unquote, even though 
to your point, I know we've mentioned every podcast, Vernon Woodward would be in that conversation. He is Turk for me. For, that, for yeah. me, he's he's my favorite prospect in this class. Eddie Turk, a similar guy to be in that conversation. Uh, Caleb Pifram. You, know, you, you can go down the list, but the reality is there's no four-star next to their name. And if you're a fan, like, you don't care about – most fans probably don't care that much about being that – well, he's a four-star caliber. They want to see the four-star because – like, that's what systems do. And I'm not faulting them. Like, I understand no. that line of thinking for them. I mean, Jimmy, you and I are... We're part of the hype machine. Our company's part of the hype machine, right? Sure. And, like, if you, like, liken it to what we consume sports-wise, like, you like it if your first baseman's an X-time all-star, even though he was... You know what I mean? Like, well, for his me, numbers for me. were comparable. You want that, like, number, that all-star. It's like, I understand where the fans are coming from. You're a Cubs fan, or a White Sox fan, or a Cardinals fan, and you see... My guy's the number four prospect in all of baseball. You're more excited about that guy than the guy who's the number 89 or the guy who's the number 12 prospect in your system, right? But there are Matt Carpenters. There are there are Devin Witherspoons. And and the thing about Brett Bielma is I think he's shown he can develop guys, he can evaluate guys, and I think he's got a history of doing that. But I do think, you know, especially at some of these skill positions, you do got to get some, some high-level talent. Um, but if we had to re-rate, you know, we go back to the class of 2017, Alex Palczewski. It's like a four-star level guy now, right? Or Sidney Brown or Devin Witherspoon's a five-star guy now. So they're, I think they're useful to sort. I think they're useful as a starting point. Once you show up on campus, it changes. Matthew Bailey becomes a four-star level prospect when he was a two-star when he originally committed to Illinois. Now, there's four stars that turn into two-star level impacts and I'm not going to name names but just go through some of Illinois four-star gets over the last decade and you can find them easily like it happens both ways um I think ratings can be can be useful they're just not gospel and, and we're all guessing it's the same way as the the NBA draft the NFL draft MLB draft all those things but um I get the the desire for four-star level prospect and that's why the upcoming decisions at running back this upcoming week Joey are so big for Illinois because Darion Dupree is their top in-state target remaining uncommitted. He decides on Friday. Khalil Valentine decides on Saturday. And right now the crystal ball does not look positive for Illinois. Darion Dupree has two crystal ball picks for Wisconsin. They were made right after his Wisconsin official visit. No changes, no additions since then. But Khalil Valentine has recently gotten two Utah crystal balls. What I can tell you is Illinois knew it was kind of battling you know, had to make up ground against Wisconsin coming into the month. The visit went extremely well. Malik Elzey was involved with that, from what I'm told. Uh, and I, I thought it was a positive that just Darian Dupree didn't commit to Wisconsin after his official visit. He's seen through the process. He's gone to Missouri and Washington. Khalil Valentine, Utah seemed like the leader coming in. Illinois became his other official visit, it felt like. So he took an official visit here. And both these guys, four-star level talents. Both these guys, Joey, what Illinois needs in a speed threat, a versatile pass catcher as well. I think Dupree is a, is a bit better of a prospect. Valentine's a little skinny. He's going to have to add a lot of strength. Dupree, I think, can play pretty early in his career. But uh, it seems like Illinois is the underdog going in, into both of these. So it'll be interesting to see if Illinois is able to surprise anybody here this weekend or if they miss what's next at running back. Yeah, I – those would both be tough misses because it feels like Illinois has put all of their, their their hope into getting one of those guys. And obviously Dupree, you would potentially lose to a Big Ten West for the next year rival. Uh, but but Wisconsin, which which has been flirting around the state and having success in the state for a long time, uh, including under Brett Bielema. So what's next is a one, especially with, with uh, Dupree being an in-state guy, you hope you've got you can continue to knock on that door and try to change his heart between now and signing day. I do not or, see them stop recruiting him unless he says, "Hey, stop <laughs> recruiting me." I think they're going to keep yeah, recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or what you do is, is you you be patient and don't feel like you've got to spill, fill your running back slot uh, that you've allotted for this class before the season starts and let it play out and see who becomes available. Or who steps up into that role uh, as a bigger role as their high school senior season, or I mean, Jeremy, maybe you just hold tight and see if there's a young back with three or four years, three years of eligibility who comes open next off season that you can uh, 
you know, kind of fill this running back slot with. So I think because they've recruited this position, it's a young room, man. Like that's yes. what is, is fairly overlooked. This is a very, very young room. Uh, you've got some wiggle room there to kind of hold off and make sure you're not just taking it back for the sake of taking it back. Uh, you, you can make sure it's the right guy who compliments what you already have and doesn't have to be done really until February right. or, you know, you can explore some portal options. Yeah. It's not a huge need. It just happens to be the top need because it's the one position you haven't addressed yet in this class. And it's a position you should be able to sell really well. So I don't think there's going to be desperation. Like a kid I really like uh, in the state is a top 30 prospect is, is Dominic Ball. And he kind of fits what Illinois wants. He's on Palatine, you know, 5'10", 180, 185. You know, really athletic, fast, runs like around a 4'5", 4'5", something like that. Agile. And he's going to play for it. I believe Willie Fritz at Tulane. Uh, and, and Willie Fritz has had some good running backs there. Uh, I think Ty J. Spears just came out of there. So I think that's a great spot for him. But he's a kid that's always interested me. Is that a kid that you want to watch? Or, you know, I think they're going to be able to get a good running back at some point, a fast running back. But that's the need is I think you just need speed at that position. Because Aiden Lawfrey is that guy. I think Reggie Love showed some more explosiveness last year, but he's got two years of eligibility left that's it so for the future you just need another speed back to go along with Aiden Lawfrey that gives you another option because we know Aiden struggled with some injuries here and you just need more depth at a position that you know you're going to have injuries at so I'm not concerned that they won't land somebody good uh eventually but they're probably gonna I think this would they go into the fall maybe still pushing to Dupree and then evaluating some other options yeah, and again, similar to kind of what we've talked about in the past um, on here with defensive back, you've got a Chase Brown pitch that's hot right now, a Doak Walker finalist, and you would have what liked What if Chase to... Brown is on a Super Bowl team this year, too? That might help you. Yeah, I mean, you've got this power five. You know, he led the power five, I think, wire to wire. Um, he got a little hairy. I kind of quit. After the bowl game, he lost that. The, in yeah. yards, at least. That's right. Um so you would have liked to see them take that and, you know, get the quote unquote next Chase Brown, and that would be in state Darion Dupree if if that if he does end up picking um, Wisconsin on Friday. Yeah, can I hit so? Yeah, I mean, maybe he picks Illinois. I don't. That's know. right. Yeah. But, but uh, Wisconsin seems like the favorite from everything I hear. They they sound confident, so we'll see. Uh, some of these things can change, but Wisconsin has the hit pitch of their history. And Illinois fans will point out as they should. A lot of that has to do with Brett Bielma. Obviously, Ron Dane was before him. Melvin Gordon's best success came after Bielma left, but Bielma recruited him. Jonathan Taylor had a lot of success there. Braylon Allen's had success there. But the current coaching staff wasn't there. But you look up Phil Longo and his success with running backs, especially at North Carolina. He was at North Carolina for four years. He had three running backs drafted. So I, I know he runs an air raid offense, but the running backs have had a lot of success under him. Uh, Wisconsin, I think they're going to run the football a little bit more than he did probably even at you know, Ole Miss and North Carolina because it, it gets cold, and that's their identity, and it's what they do, and they have Braylon Allen. Um, so I, I think they have a good pitch for running backs if you look into Phil Longo's history and you just consider – I think Luke Fickle is going to lean into what Wisconsin is, right? And, and that's – we run the damn football. Yeah, that's the interesting thing with Fickle is I think – like there's going to be changes at Wisconsin for sure. Uh, you hire Phil Longo because you want to change a little bit about what that offense looks like. But I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of overlap um, with what, what Wisconsin has traditionally been and Luke Fickle. Um, Luke Fickle's still a big 10 guy. Yeah. And right? if you go like, away from like that identity, that, that like that part, the running game has been successful. Right, like you don't want to go away from that, but I do think you need to be able to throw the ball more consistently, just like Illinois needs to be able to throw the ball more consistently. Very similar pass there, right? Um, only one has had the success uh, more sustained in, in Illinois Hatton, but yeah, you, just modernizing. Like you're not really like fundamentally changing everything. You're, you're modernizing it, taking a step forward um, in that passing attack. So yeah, I don't think anyone, if he picks Wisconsin, would say, "Goodness, I can't believe like." What's you know everyone understands what Wisconsin is and what uh, you know Longo has done. So I and Madison I get, might be closer to home by a couple of minutes than Champagne. To be honest with you, like so I I think they're both great selves. Um, 
right? And Wisconsin is the bigger brand. Illinois kind of had a running back coach change, but from what I've heard, that's actually helped them with Thad Ward in this recruitment. Um, but yeah, the, these head-to-head battles, they get painful if you lose it to a top rival, right? Like one, one of you guys that you're competing against almost every year now moving forward. Um, but, uh, you know, Dupree's really good, man. Like he's, he's really good. Like I, we have him as a high three star 24 seven. He's, he's a four star level prospect. And the thing that I like about him, Joey is he's as good of a receiving threat as he is a running back. Like he's got great contact balance, some toughness, speed, but he is a dynamic receiver. So to me, he's like a Josh Ferguson. And well, I know Josh Ferguson doesn't go down in a line. I lore like Michaela shore, maybe even chase Brown. Now Josh Ferguson is one of the most productive backs in Illinois history when you include his receiving yards. So um, one of the best rushers in, in Illinois history, even though he wasn't a thousand yard back, but he was always 600 plus and then had more receiving yards than any running back in history. So that kind of player, that's what I think Darian Dupree is for, for whatever big 10 team I would think he, he goes to. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It'll be be interesting on Friday, but at, I mean, like you said, right now, the crystal balls favor Wisconsin. We'll see. We'll see how this plays out Friday afternoon. A uh, couple more targets just to watch still on the board. Do I mean, 15 commitments, I, how many more are left? Like, I, I think at the high end, maybe five more prep prospects. Now, you got to hold on to your commits, and usually one or two are, are going to make changes here, so that's just kind of the average. But the DBs, I think they'd like to add one more. Kevin Levi, Xavier Lucas look like they're going to be tough to get uh, out of Florida. Levi, the one thing, like Florida State's taking so many DBs now. Like, does – does he does Florida State take him? I don't know. I, I figured that would have been done by now. So maybe if Florida State says, "Hey, we're full," maybe that opens up to some of his other options, including I think Rutgers is in there, uh, one other school. But Dalen Platt to me is the one. It's Ole Miss and Illinois. Ole Miss now has six DB commits. I find it hard for a school to take seven in one class. I don't know their situation that well, but it feels like Illinois is in a pretty good position there. Josiah Knight. Speaking of commitments uh by the other school involved georgia tech which is it's an illinois georgia tech battle they've taken two other edge rushers in the class since josiah knight visited there earlier in the month in june they now have three edge commitments illinois has one and they want two i feel good about where they land there so like i feel good about where illinois stands for platinum knight and then D'Amico kennedy the defensive lineman out of kentucky uh he took an official here uh, Kentucky's in the mix. Purdue seems like they could be the favorite there. West Virginia he took an official there. But Platt and Knight would be the two names uh, outside of the running backs I would really uh, – I'm interested in to see over the next couple weeks. Knight told me that he's going to make a decision on July 14th, I believe it was. Platt has, has been pretty quiet. Yeah, that, that's, that's probably fair, Jeremy. Those are the last – I mean, you start just dwindling down official visitors, um, you, you get to that list that you mentioned. And I think if they got two of those guys and got into the fall and went through a reevaluation period in the fall, I think they'd probably feel pretty comfortable with going into their season with 17 commits. <laughs> gives them some. Uh, with like no, them, need, like no needs outside of running back. You're just kind of trying to find dudes. Like you're just trying to like. Find or flip. flip. Find or flip in the fall. That's the, what that's what fall is. Right? Find, find or, or flip. Fall? Yeah, I kind of like that. And then look at Juco's, see what you can find on that level. So, yeah, I, I think you'd be in a great position with your needs and then maybe shoot high. And to be honest with you, one of the biggest factors for me would be you can really get a head start in 2025. Like, Remember when Brandon Hansen committed? Um, it was November, I want to say, of, of last year, 2022. So can you get ahead? That's a really good point, Jeremy. Can you get ahead on 25? And, and 25 and is making... loaded in state. It is a loaded in state class. Which is crazy to say. Like, I keep, I want, I've been meaning to bring this up. Not that I'm saying, like, you're wrong. 24 was pretty freaking good. 23, um, it, yeah, 23 wasn't bad either. If you look at the top, I'm going to pull this up here. I should do it on my laptop because my keyboard's loud. I, I, I could pull it up here on the on the screen here, Joey. So give me a yeah, second. Yeah, do that. You've looked your technology. <laughs> But yeah, 24. I mean, you see the, some of the guys that just committed. Justin Scott and Marquise Lightfoot just went to Ohio State and Miami. Uh, Marquise Lightfoot shunned Ohio State to, to go to Miami. So, yeah, here you go, Joe. Here's your, here's your list of top 10 guys. Yeah, how many top 100s are there in that list? Uh, four. 
four. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's a pretty good class of 2024. Like, so I mean, not to say four like, in the oh, top 90, to be honest. With you. Yeah. So like when we say like 2025 is good, like I do sometimes zoom out and say like, we all just saw what 24 was, right? Like, dude, that's pretty good. <laughs> 11 four stars in the composite rankings uh, for Illinois, which is really impressive. But to, to the larger point, as you look this up, if you can get ahead in 25, which projects to be another very, very good class, another loaded class, that that bodes well. But, and we say that, like, they've been building relationships since, right. you know, they could. Like, I, I don't get the sense or the feeling anymore. Like, you know, Epinesa has been on campus. Tylen Taylor, I believe, also yes. um, has. So, like, this isn't the case where, like, I don't feel like Illinois is playing catch-up anymore, um, which is a good sign for Illinois. Yeah, the hard part about a loaded class is everybody's recruiting it. <laughs> like that's uh you know, Epinesa obviously is an Iowa legacy. Taylor's got Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, Alabama, Nathaniel Marshall, and Chris Burgess. Illinois got in really early on both those guys, but now Alabama, Ohio State, everybody's involved there. Jalen Williams has a loaded offer list. But you know, even that next tier of guys, um, you know, with Andre Levette, Logan Farrell, I'll go to the twenty four seven rankings because we're a little deeper here on this, but um, Illinois has done a really good job getting in early on some of these players, including uh, Brooks, Cameron Brooks, uh, out of Chicagoland, a defensive lineman. They got in early on him. I, I think they've they've done a good job here, and I think they're setting themselves up well. And the class should only grow as, as more of these guys get exposure during the fall, but especially on the defensive line, it is it is a loaded class in state, which has not been the case here recently. No, it's pretty good last year too. You missed out on those defensive line targets, and we think. One of them, uh, a quick tangent, Brett Bielma, a week ago, two weeks ago, mentioned they changed their official visit where if, if a guy wanted to get on campus before that June period, uh, they, they were more receptive for that. We think that's because of, of Roderick Pierce. Um, we speculate, yes. That's what, yeah, we, we've not been told that, but Brett Bielma said there was a guy in 23 who they felt like if they could have gotten on campus earlier, it's a long-winded way of just, like, they are adapting, Jeremy on that front man but yeah that, that 25 class is good we'll see how that that plays out all right joey uh we are starting our position primers and this is one of my favorite times of year because we actually have some time to uh dive into this stuff and, and kind of prepare ourselves and just get ready for football again like actual football rather than i love the roster stuff as much as anybody right like i love it i, I love roster building and that's why I like Listen, basketball, I get why so many people are into it. It's the sport for Illinois. Um, There's not as many roster spots. You know their faces, all those things. But I just find building a football roster so interesting. And I feel like over the last decade, I've learned a lot about what not to do to build a roster with Illinois. And Brett Bielma is starting to build a deeper, better roster. It's still got some things to prove, but... Like now that we kind of like get to see these players, because like our focus has been on what's this guy in class 2024 who's probably not going to make an impact till 2026, 2027. But now we can see, oh, Gabe Ackes is going to be a sophomore. How good is he going to be? Like Johnny Newton is one of the best players in college football. Can he be, you know, the Outland Trophy winner? Like those that's what's getting me excited because instead of this projection three or four years down the road where some of this conversation we're having like what are they gonna do after chase brown like how does this running back room sort itself out can isaiah williams get 100 catches uh is isaiah adams as good as the Illinois staff thinks he's gonna be which is like a, a day two draft pick like is seth coleman underappreciated like these are the these are the things I, I can't wait to talk about um and, and now that we can like dive into this stuff i'm excited that there's actual football two months away joe i'm getting the biggest kick out of this because when we got the big 10 media day email i was where <laughs> you were two weeks ago and i was like yes what, I, what did right. i tell you then though i was like get me through june i gotta get through june you did and then you got six days into july and you're like a kid on christmas morning but dude i'm with you like yeah and here's the thing, like I have to remind myself, I, we just a, a little teaser for some content. You and I projected out some um, statistical leaders for every, I'd say, major category uh, for Illinois. And it was fun to put a little more, th- like sometimes with recruiting stuff, it can just, like that month of June gets very like, here's what it is, like very redundant. Like here's what it means. And like, 
it was nice to have to like pre- like think a little bit more and like some of these positional leaders and statistical leaders, which was which was a lot of fun. Um, Let's be honest, it could just be fun to just do a bold take every once in a while. <laughs> like, yeah, you had a bold one in there. Yes. You yeah. did have a bold one. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I don't want to pick the same thing as you. Like, both yeah. of us – all right, spoiler alert. Both of us picked Luke Altmaier to lead Illinois passing yards, okay? But we had a debate about rushing. And, and I kind of agreed with Joey's take, but I wanted to take the other one just to make the case for it. Um, but, like, you know, Patrick Bryant, can he be a star? Like, you know, I, I'm about to dive into my wide receiver stuff. Um, after putting posting the quarterbacks or running backs. So it's just fun to start thinking about the actual football. Like the the guys that you know, we can project what Tyshawn Griffin is gonna be or Trey Petty is gonna be in a couple years. But these are guys we've actually seen play college football, guys we've seen in the spring a little bit. Um and to see how Illinois takes its next step. So I'm I'm just getting getting a little bit more excited two months out of uh Illinois yes. versus a, a tough Toledo opponent. Yes, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to it. Got through the month of June. That was well, my let, point. Is, let's be honest. We need the content in July. Hundred so. percent. Like, it, like I got so excited writing out some of those leaders. Now you, I'm a little slower to get into the position primers than you. Um, but it is fun once you start getting in there and digging around. And then I realized it's still like two months away from actual football. Um, to me, this starts later this month. The Big Ten media days because the training camp is within. You know, sometimes usually within the next 10 days and you're off and running but there becomes that lull after like the second week uh two and a half weeks into camp where you pretty much gone I'm, through the I'm list sick of projecting like, i just need to actually yes. see football like so actually the thinking about football is fun the projecting the fantasizing about what could be what could go wrong um strengths weaknesses all that but yes by mid-august i'm just like well, I, I have nothing left i got so, it let's man. Just play. i got it I, We've talked to enough people. I've got a really good understanding, I think, of who's going to be where. See some freaking football. Yeah. Um, we found out. Make... We found out the Matt Bailey of this year, right? Like that's no longer under the radar. We can. It, figure man, out can are... we just like quickly remember how fun that was to figure out? It was an open practice. Uh, one of the few, Brett Bielma, if you're listening, open more for us, please. Um, Sidney Brown was out. I, I think he had got like dinged up yeah. the day before concussion, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then we looked up, and it's like, whoa, wait what's going on here matthew bailey wait that's not is, prince green that's right we did not think it was going to be him um and it was him and I, I well, somebody in illinois goes well i guess that secret's out of yeah that. people we talked to like all secrets out on matthew bailey and uh, i was like those are the fun things that i miss and I, I do i don't think i would feel that way that we talked about like okay we've done projecting in the middle of august if we could get into training camp every day and yeah. see more and, and be able to do that but I think we've we've talked about that almost every time possible. I wish we could. We cannot. Do you want to take a bold like this freshman will be that guy? The guy that like Matthew Bailey's that like we weren't talking about and we kind of, I don't want to say got lucky with Sidney Brown being out, but probably wouldn't have known if Sidney Brown was now. Yeah. Like we're we're not going to say Brandon Henderson is going to push Josh Geske and Jordan Song. No, I think Zai Chrysler would push Josh Getsky yeah. at right tackle. Um, Kanari Wilcher's a guy we've talked about. That's the one that I, I keep coming back to. Speed. Speed. What they need, Joey. Speed. I mean, look. There's, there's like other – you look at the four-star. Like, we think Caden Fagan's a little bit of a way. We're getting so far down the rabbit hole here. Um, like, Malik Elsey's a guy that, even though they just took a wide receiver, a Juco wide receiver, Malik Elsey's a guy you were circle and say, well – you can't rule that one out. I'd be shocked if he weren't in the two deep. I'd be shocked if Canary Wilcher weren't in the two deep at this point. Yeah, Wilcher had a big spring, man. That was a really, really big spring. I know we've talked about him a lot, but I just want to hammer home how big of a spring that was for him. Yeah, Beatty. I mean, it'll be interesting, you know, competition there. Captain Jones and Elsie, Wilcher and Beatty. But I think all those guys have a chance to, to compete and get some playing time there. Um, I do want to bring up our friend, Tom Fernelli. I don't think he does these ratings by himself. He always wants to mention that. But uh, our, our friends at 24-7 or at CBS Sports put out their Big Ten coaches rankings. And wouldn't you know, Fernelli showing his bias, that Fernelli, with Brett Bielman number five behind Jim Harbaugh, who deserves to be number one at this point. What a glow up. Is that what the kids say? They still say that? Uh, you're young at heart. You know the answers, yes. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, number one from the hot seats and number one in the Big Ten. 
back-to-back Big Ten champ. He deserves it. Ryan Day, still a good coach, by the way. I still think he's a pretty good coach. Uh, number two, they got to figure out that defense. Luke Fickle debuts at number three. The Wisconsin hype. Can you feel it? We'll talk more about that, Joey. James Franklin, probably the the underrated guy in the Big Ten just because he's not quite Michigan or Ohio State, but he's always pretty dang good. Bielma at five. What do you make of that, Joey, over Fleck at six, which, by the way, I, P.J. Fleck, not my cup of tea, okay? I, it, that personality does not do it for me. But can we acknowledge what he's doing in the Big Ten? I mean, they write it right here in CBS, 18-9 in the Big Ten over the last – three seasons like this has been consistently good football so well i don't buy into this row the boat i find it you know not genuine um but maybe it is for pj fleck i know he's dealt with some stuff in his life but like he's a good football coach and he gets his team to play good football and they win football games um i said football way too many times there matt rule in nebraska seven kirk ference eight Listen, I know the offense was putrid, Joey. I think Kirk Ferentz deserves to be a little higher on this list. Agreed. That was my big jump off right there, and we were going through it. Pat Fitzgerald, also, hold on. Let me, let me just wrap up yeah. the for the listeners. Pat Fitzgerald, 9. Mel Tucker, 10. Mike Loxley, 11. Greg Schiano 12. Tom Allen, 13. Ryan Walters, 14. There you go, Illinois fans, if you want to feel good about that. But they acknowledge, like, it's just the first time head coach always going to be at the bottom of the list. Because I, I do believe he's better than Tom Allen, that's for sure. And I think he'll do better than Greg Schiano. Yeah. Um, let's go back to that five through nine. Like, because Fitzgerald at nine, I get nine, it after the last four yeah. years, but that, like, depending on this season, those are the most, that's the most interchangeable section of this list. Like, if you were to next season put. But can we acknowledge Kirk, something, Joey? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go. Illinois coach is at number five. No. What? <laughs> the artist formerly known as the Big Ten West here. Um, yes. Like, that all can get if you shuffled that next season and you had it like Ference, Bielema, Fleck, Fitzgerald. I don't think anyone would. Someone's gonna email Tom. They should email Tom all that you want. Um, I'm, I'm just like, a that's little, a very interchangeable section. Yeah, and I think you could put Wisconsin. Like I think Fickle. Listen, I think he's a great, really good coach. I think James Franklin probably deserves to be a little higher on that list because he's done it yeah, in the Big I think Ten. You flip those two. I get the college football playoff appearance, right? Fickle gets all the credit, dominated Cincinnati. I think he's going to do well at Wisconsin. But I would probably put him through four. So that would put the, the artist formerly known as the Big Ten West, as you nicely called it. I guess for one more year they can be called that. Four through nine. And the four through nine spots there um, with, you know, Ryan Walters, maybe if he has a good season, could flip that up. Yeah, those all feel interchangeable, and it feels very Big Ten Westy. I'm going to miss the Big Ten West, man. I am too. I'm a little emotional talking about the Big Ten West. It's our, it's our Big Ten West, right? It's it's our wild, wild West. So while you might look down on it, I love the chaos, even though Wisconsin and Iowa usually end up winning. I guess hey, dude, that's the fun part about it. Is this total freaking chaos? Like the Big Ten West is, and I think it changes because I guess Northwestern and Illinois just kind of flip-flopped in terms of their like presence in the West. Uh, but it's, it's the same brand, the same year, the same teams, uh, same brand, same teams, different year. And it's fun because there's not a lot, like exactly what we've talked about. It's not a lot of like heavy margin between the same players every single year. It's fun. People may not like it, but we like it. I, I enjoy it. Um, so we'll have to enjoy the final year here. Speaking of the Big Ten West, our buddy uh, Trevor Voice shared the uh, Big Ten odds, I think, believe, uh, via FanDuel. Wisconsin, heavy favorite. Um, I'm not the best with odds, but minus 105 money line to win the the Big Ten West. I think that's like seven to ten, like seven out of ten um, likelihood. Iowa plus 250. I'd bet that. Minnesota plus 450. Illinois plus 650. I think those numbers should be closer to one another. Uh, Illinois and Wisconsin, because or Illinois and Minnesota. I get it. Minnesota's got a really good program, stable. Illinois, I think, is kind of getting to that similar tier. But Illinois returns more, um, especially in the the trenches. And that's where I focus it. But they lose their quarterback, lose their star running back. They should be good uh, on the offensive line, though. Nebraska. See, at least at least the odds makers get this right, Joey. Plus 1,500. I actually like that number for Nebraska. <laughs> like, I can see Nebraska going 8-4, and four, potentially 6-3 and three in the – the Big Ten and 
sneaking in. Like, I don't see him going higher than that, but a Matt Rule coach team could could turn that program around like that. Uh, I don't buy them as some, like, 10-2 and two team, as, as, as some people have. Purdue plus 2,000. I don't even see Northwestern on this board. Joey. 2021, Jeremy, we're going to be so ticked at you for saying one nice thing about Nebraska. This is unbelievable. I've, I've come – hey, when you're valued correctly, I, I'll, I'll maybe buy you a little bit. So, yeah, I, I can buy them at, at plus 15. I don't think that's a that's a terrible bet. It is not. Um, the, the first reaction I think we all had when we talked about this in our group chat, I think Iowa should be the favorite, and I don't think there should be such a gap between Iowa and Wisconsin there. Like, I, I think, I, I think those numbers should be dude. flipped, to be honest. Like, yeah. Listen, I get it. We all watched what Iowa's offense was last year. It's not going to be worse because they got more talented. Their play caller could still stink, but if their play caller didn't stink last year, Joey, um, or if they just had a little bit more talent at the quarterback position, at you know wide receiver, they probably would have been ten and two, right? And and you know in the top ten of the rankings. So. Phil Parker's still a stud. Their special teams are always great. Like their defense is still going to be really good. Their offensive line should be better. They were really young there last year. Uh, listen, I don't think Cade McNamara is a world beater, but they don't need a world beater. They just need what Tommy DeVito was last year for Illinois. They got really good, talented tight ends. They've upgraded at wide receiver. Caleb Brown was a really nice addition for them. So, listen, I don't think Iowa is a, a college football playoff contender, but. My other part is, like, I get Wisconsin ceiling. I get the idea of Wisconsin. Luke Fickle coming in, bringing in all these transfers, a new exciting offense. But sometimes, like, and I get change. They needed change. But sometimes change takes a while. Like, and when you're making drastic changes like that, there's a floor there that I don't think enough people are acknowledging and that these odds kind of don't acknowledge. So I could see Wisconsin winning the Big Ten West. It wouldn't shock me. I, I, I probably have Iowa 1, Wisconsin 2, Illinois 3, Minnesota 4. But because I, I just think Illinois, there's some talent things. There's quarterback play. Like I got still got to see those secondary things. But I just don't think Wisconsin is like the head and shoulders. Like I, I think like Iowa should get a little bit more respect than this. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to fight for Iowa, Illinois fans. I just think they're no, good. I'm with you. I, I think that's like those are probably to your point. Those are probably the top two. I just think the orders flipped. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Going into it, Brett Bielma will find a way to be spicy on Twitter about it and uh, say Illinois is too low. And Brett Bielma, very outward. Where do you think? Where do you think Illinois will be voted in these these lists? Right there, three or four. Right? Yeah, I think three or four. I think I, 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 me voting them three. Last year, I think I had them fifth or something like that, Um, and they end up being what second. But I, I can see them finishing second. I can see them. In the last two weeks, fighting for a Big Ten West championship. I really can't. Oh, yeah. if, if you tell me Luke Altmaier's good and the the secondary settles in, they got a chance, man. So w- right now, I think you and I consensus three or four. What happened? Where, where would they be projected if that waiver for Tommy DeVito goes through? I mean, and I don't think they're, they'd be projected to win, but is it enough to kick them up to two? I think in these odds on FanDuel, I think Illinois would have Minnesota's odds. Plus four, just because of the known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like Luke Altmaier might have a higher ceiling than what Tommy DeVito did last year because I think his deep ball is better. Um, he's more athletic. But you're just going to probably have some growing pains. There's just an unknown about him as a starter. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I think losing draft picks like they did. But I just don't know how much the public, the betting public, knows about what they're bringing back in the trenches. Yeah, that's – their trenches are really good. Um, I, I've got for position primer tease. I've got offensive line. You've got defensive line, and two really good spots for Illinois. The, uh, the best, right? I mean, those are the two best spots um, on this roster. Yeah, an outside linebacker. <laughs> I mean, I consider the defensive yes. line. Defensive like, when I say that, I mean the five guys who play. Yeah, because the outside front. linebackers are basically defensive ends. Yeah. It's all semantics from that. Uh, by the way, you mentioned. Um, Brett Bielma in his tweet. You got any thoughts about, you know, what he had to say? Because, you know, we just went through this coaching list and we said, you know, Illinois coach is number five. Pretty dang good. Well, Brett Bielma saw an on three post. So who's the best coach in the Big Ten? He's got Harbaugh, Day, Fickle, 
and uh, James Franklin. And he says, who has the most Big Ten titles? Asking for a friend. Hashtag family. Hashtag I think he was really asking for a friend. Um, who would be that friend? Was it for Ryan Walters? Just to spice this thing up a little bit more. Josh Whitman said, Brett, I can't tweet this. I need you to. <laughs> I mean, he can do kidding. it. He can do it for at least another year. Because uh, what does Day have two? Harbaugh's got two. Bielma's got three. Yeah, Bielma's got three from Wisconsin. Look, I will say, I, I, and I, I talked about this on our message board, so this isn't the first time. I would love to actually sit down. Like, it's got to be the right setting. And you, me, and, and Ryan Easterling have talked about this. I don't think you can ask him this at a press conference. I think it's got to be like an actual, like you sit down, whether it be a podcast or, you know, something along those lines. Because, like, there's an outward confidence coming from this program. And, and I'm not saying, like, this oh, one after Marquise Lightfoot commits to Miami. Well, we think, we think, Jeremy, we think that's okay. what it was for. Oh, that's on, what I'm happened. <laughs> he tweets out the uh, Facebook highlights, uh, by the way, of Wisconsin beating Miami. Uh, in the Champ Sports Bowl back in 2009, uh, he said, uh, let's see, I remember how our defensive ends felt heading into this game. Hashtag big, hashtag pre-NIL. So he's suggesting some NIL activity for Marquise Lightfoot there. I mean, he has been, not been bashful about that, but uh, braggadocious Bielma. I mean, it's entertaining as heck for me. I, I just want to, and I don't think like, I think there's reasons for him to have confidence in his program. Like, I think it's the trenches, as we've mentioned, that's clearly on a trajectory uh, that, that's going upward. But I just, I'm just curious, and it's, maybe it's my own intrigue, like, where, like, this outwardness coming from. I just realized um, what Zupke tweet was below that, I that was I was broadcasting say, to the world. <laughs> Zupke's going to have the biggest smile if he crosses oh, that. Um, Shouts, I don't know, man. I, I just think it's interesting, uh, his approach on social media and the confidence. It's not just him, dude. That's the thing. It's not just Brett Bielma's out here yelling about Illinois football. Like, there's a confidence in that whole building. Yeah. Well, um, and it probably and he, starts with him. He talked about his first year, about the lack of confidence in some of those close games and how that needed to change. And it starts with him. And I think that's what he's trying to say. Is like, hey, we shouldn't be – like, us talking about Illinois finishing, like, predicting on third. That's not how those guys feel. Those guys are like we, – we've seen Johnny Newton be quoted saying this, like, we want Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. Like, that's our goal. Johnny Newton on Twitter also very similar to Mr. Brett Bielema in terms of he sees a ranking. Which, if I were Johnny there. Newton, I would feel that way too because I don't think anybody can stop me in college football. But, like, yeah, that's – we know. Like, there's a huge mental part of this game. And Brett Bielema changing that is as big as anything. And, and changing fans' ex- expectations and all of that uh, is, is huge. So, I think – I think part of that's for his players, right? Part of 100%. His... That, that's what I was going to say. It's like we're seeing like that, I don't want to say culture change, but but a little bit of that, the mindset change happening just in real time. And, yeah, Brett's probably got to be a little more over the top about it right now because he wants his guys to, to know he's batting for him, and he's going to go up there and do that. And, yeah, he he's not going to say, oh, well, look at us. We're, we're ranked third to win the Big Ten West. Look how far look we've come. Up. Plucky little upstart Illinois here getting a chance to finish third. That's not – like, you can't think like that. Like, that, this, that's the thing with sports. You can't have that mindset, but he sure as hell making sure his guys don't let that creep back in. And I think, to your point, yeah, man, a lot of this is coming – and it's a conversation for his locker room. Yeah, and if they feel good about the quarterback position in the secondary, Joey, they should set the goal of Big Ten Championship. Because I, Iowa, you beat them last year. Wisconsin, you beat them last year. They had to fire their coach after you beat them. Right, like so, you got in your own way of a Big Ten West championship last year. So, you know that's probably a storyline we don't talk about enough. Is is they had it within their grasp, and they let it go. And now is they're like, oh, now we got to make up for that. Like, can can we can we come back and, and make up for it? So that'll be interesting, interesting storyline going into this uh, this season. But yeah, that we can start get diving into that stuff, Joey. It's it's almost time. It's almost time. I am getting more and more excited for big 10 media day because it just feels like feels like it's back a little bit yep anything else joey any movies you've been watching over the last week anything like that i don't watch movies yeah, you don't. i don't i i don't sit still very well um been re-watching billions got a really jeremy you're running out of time buddy i don't think you're going to be able to do this by august 11th um catch yeah, all my, the way up on six seasons my guy damian lewis paul giamatti in that too i like yep, both I those actors yeah 
and you messed up. One thing we are bearing the lead a little bit. I know we've talked a lot about football. Derek Piper's got updates from Peach Jam. I know we had planned to talk about Merez Johnson, who just yeah. grabs 100 rebounds every time he steps on the basketball floor. Uh-huh. He's really having a heck of a, a summer going into his junior year. Um, and he's down at Peach Jam with Mean Streets. What I love about Merez Johnson, and I've mentioned this with linemen, I've mentioned this with big men, he plays basketball like he freaking loves it. Like Ty he, he, yes, Ty Rogers, same thing. And you think about the front court pieces they have added. You know, Dane Danger's got two years of eligibility left. Monty Hansberry just got here. Ty Rogers is here. Uh, and then. Don't put him in the front court. Oh, he can be. Um, maybe you can, maybe you get a different option. You can, you can have him in the front court again. Um, but yes, like Marez Johnson, like. Yes, you need somebody to shoot eventually. Like, it would be nice if Imani Hansberry could be that stretch option. But you got some dogs, Joey. <laughs> you got that, and that is what Merez Johnson is. Like, you can make whatever comp. I've seen the Montrez Harrell one. That's a really good one. Um, I think that was Trevor Trout, former St. Louis defensive line prospect that uh, is now an NBA guy. I think he's on a podcast. Um, he always wanted to be sports media. That's just an aside. But uh, that was a good comp by him. Uh, I, I've made the Musa Diabate one. That's one I've heard thrown around with him, too. Um, he's not quite as big, but he might have a little bit more skill. Like, I have no concerns about him translating to, to the next level. And Should he be a five-star? I, I don't know. I don't see enough of these guys. I don't care. I, I really don't care whether Merez Johnson is rated number 45 or number 28. And I don't know if there's a big difference there. But he's going to be a good player at Illinois. Like what he does translates incredibly well. Is he gonna be a star? He's got to get some off- more offensive skill to do that. But he's a guy that can step in, play a role right away. And you know, if he if he stays for a sophomore, junior year, I think he could be one of the best, most impactful big men in the Big Ten. Like Cliff Omarui, is that is that wrong? That's not a bad comp. No, I I think you're right. The offense, and if you read what some of the national guys said who who are responsible for these rankings or haven't put on these rankings, the, a more broad offensive skill set is probably the, what's between him and a, that fifth star. Um, but to your point, did you still talk about a top fifty kid? Like a top fifty kid who who's going to play his butt off and fit exactly everything I'm watching him right now. Everything you want to be uh, in this program, like. It's not a bad place to land. I know that uh, here's the thing. And I, I'm going to defend the fans. Cause like this feels so close, right? Like for, to him to make that jump and like fans want a five. So in the same way we talk about football, wanting a four, like yeah. fans are so hungry for that. And he feels like the guy who is like, yeah, it could be him. It really should. Yes. And like IO, I, I wasn't as far into the recruiting coverage as I, I was I, a five on 24. I was a five on one. Yes. I think 24, seven sports had him as a five star composite did had him as a four star, but it was like a two spot in the rankings right. difference. So, I mean, I was, I get the excitement of that, but I'm like almost, it's almost better if it's a four star Then Merez has this chip on his shoulder about it. The expectation isn't ridiculous. Like, cause Merez Johnson is not going to come in and be Brandon Miller. Like that that's not who he is. That's not the game he plays. But I do think he's come in and make an immediate impact is if somebody just gets all gets rebounds and blocks shots and finishes at the rim, like the guy I would compare him to is, is Cliff Omaru. He's had a phenomenal career at Rutgers. Like I think he can make that kind of impact. He's not a guy you run your offense through. He's maybe not the guy people think is like the best player in the Big Ten, but he could eventually be one of the best players in the Big Ten, just based on how active, how tough, how long. He just puts so much pressure on the rim at, at, at either side of the floor that uh, I, I just I think he translates well. I think his bust rate is so small because of how hard he plays and just yeah. uh, his natural skill and talent. Yeah, here's the thing: like it, part of the appeal of getting a fight outside of the talent, like the talent's obvious and. and no one's questioning Marez Johnson's talent, by the way. Like, everyone knows this dude is, is everything that you said. But if you get a five-star, when a five-star commits, there's something on the ESPN ticker, right? Like, that's – and, like, they want that – a lot of fans want that national, like, look at our guy. That's our guy. And you, know what like, I'm, you know what I'm happy for, though, with Marez? You know, he committed, and he had his moment. But then when you commit early, you kind of get forgotten a little bit or you just kind of get overlooked a little bit. But it's about who's next, who else we've been. I'm glad he's having the moment where – it's like, oh, this guy is one of the That's best right. players in the country, 
even though we haven't had to cover his recruitment, so he hasn't gotten as much publicity, he's a damn good player, and I'm glad he's reminding everybody of that, whether it's us in the media or whether it's coaches or whether it's the fans, um, that this guy's really, really good, and he was a heck of a get for Tim Anderson and Brad Underwood. Yeah, and that's a good point. And to finish, like the ESPN's now putting a ticker that Marez Johnson boosted to a five star. Like that's not like that moment is gone. Now it's just you're just watching your guy finally get some of that love that you mentioned and seeing this game really blossom. Seeing a kid fill out from his sophomore year when he committed to his senior year and just become one of the most productive and dominant players in the state of Illinois. Uh, come on, he, he is right. I think he is the most productive and dominant player in the state of Illinois. That's a win for you if you're an Illinois fan. Like, do you want him to get that fifth star? Does it look good? Does it – it's going to – would it show up on some ticker? Like, Illinois signs first five-star since blank. Yeah, of course it would. But getting a hell of a basketball player, man, yeah. who, who's going to be a guy who plays in a way that if you're at the State Farm Center, you're probably going to stand up a, a multiple times in his career because of something he's done. I just look at Ty Rogers, Marez Johnson, um, Amani Hansberry – this is the kind of the bigs that Michigan State just always has in waves. <laughs> like, And now Illinois is getting some of those guys, and they all fit what Brad Underwood wants to be about. So to get them guys, like get those guys, keep them in there, be a big part of your program, and then add some shooters and guards around them. Like, that's that's the key moving forward. Anything else, Joey? Got nothing, man. Just waiting it out till, till media days. I'm excited getting there we're getting there all right for joey wagner i'm jeremy warner thank you everybody for listening to the alana inquirer podcast give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast if you're watching on the youtube channel give us a like on the way out subscribe to us hit that notifications bell as well won't be this long until we have another podcast we'll try and get piper on after he does some of the peach jam stuff get some insight on Marez johnson and all these other basketball targets so we'll get him on soon but until then everybody have a great day take care of each other we'll talk to you next time right here on the online choir podcast bye everybody